Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'll take you for a ride on the devil's ship. I'll take you for a ride when you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. Where do you stand on Afghanistan, David? <laughs> yeah, I don't do that shit. But yeah, they, welcome to the new studio. Yeah, thank you. Happy to have you. It's, it was a long time coming. Yes. We couldn't get a date scheduled on the books, but now it's finally happening. Yeah. No, I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad to do it. So what have you been up? I, I've see, we've seen each other doing some shows recently. We're starting to slowly come back. Yeah, I'm, yeah that's what I'm... I've been slowly coming back. That's basically it. So. You planning anything? Um, No, I'm, I've got some... Mostly like commitments that were like a year and a half old that were postponed and now they're all, or at least some of them are happening now. Like um, big gigs? Uh, just yeah, like uh, like radio, like uh, uh, CBC Laugh Out Loud, that sort of thing. Okay. That's been uh, in the book since like May 4th, 2020. And Is it just an appearance or are you doing sets? Yeah, so, uh, just uh, yeah, a set, uh, like it's a theater show. So me, oh, cool. me and Derek and uh, a bunch of Ottawa comics and... Should be a fun, uh, fun show. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. that's and what, what do they do? Are they going to record half capacity or something in the theater? They haven't. They haven't said what the protocols are going to be yet. But yeah, yeah. No, I was. I was excited to accept it two years ago, and now uh, I hope it lives up to the hype. I don't know. You have to go to Ottawa and not see anyone in there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's not that one's not till November, so who knows? Maybe maybe things will open up or shut down worse, or we don't know. We've had so many like discussions about that because now normally you like to predict. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean uh, when school starts again, that'll that'll throw a whole new uh, element, cases into the into it. Yeah, probably. So yeah, I I don't know. I, at least we sort of have the benefit of kind of we've seen like the weirdest of this maybe. So hopefully, yeah, because we're kind of we can kind of roll roll with it. Maybe. Well, I got shell shocked in the beginning. I remember the first month or so, it was uh, like I was living a movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really surreal and uh, yeah, kind of. Well, I guess scary is a pretty good word for it. It was just, uh, just you know, empty streets and that. That it was that visual that kind of got me. I was looking. Is this it? Is this the future? Is this how we die? Is this what's happening? Yeah, yeah. But it was my fault too because I didn't take a, any step back. I was just consuming every breaking headline and taking it as, oh, that's the last thing we're going to hear. This is it. it all, I, I didn't do any critical thinking. Mm. I was just scared of everything. I thought, okay, this is the meal that's going to give me something that's going to kill me. Wow. And I never took a step back. It took it took about a month to then just calm down. I'm like, all right, man, just calm down. Yeah. No, I was, uh, no, it was pretty sad. Like, um, just I got two kids and just their remote learning. Like, it was good they were doing something, but at the same time, it was... Even though know, the teachers didn't even know really how this was going to work, and do you feel so, like the kids changed a bit, like socially, since they haven't seen people? Not really. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, luckily, I didn't. You know, I don't. Didn't they seem to roll with things a little easier? They don't. Uh, they've only got like 
a decade's precedent to go against as opposed to our whole lives. This is the weirdest thing that's ever happened. It's like, yeah, like my parents oh. tell me to stay home all the time. I'm fine. They're like, I guess this is the pandemic years of, of every child's uh, upbringing. Yeah, that's how they see it. Yeah. I, I, I still don't know how um, people who just had their babies when that happened, how they reacted because that's a whole life-changing thing. Yeah, I was trying to figure out like what, like as far as children goes, like what's what what's the best years of your life for your kids to miss, like like what's which if you have to screw up one year in your child's development, like what was the best age? And I think it's the first two, right? Because you're not that social anyway. Yeah, maybe they uh, don't notice. What are they going to complain about? We're not at Walmart. Well, they can't complain. They don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, yeah. It's yeah. I I don't I don't know if it's. Because there's the two ends of it, like what what education is like or socialization is the most critical for them to be on, but also like also what age is having them around twenty four seven going to drive you the most nuts sort of thing. So. Yeah, that's anything past two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, if you're doing a terrible two pandemic, that might yeah maybe uh, some other people like silver lining. fifteen after fifteen get them out of here. They're annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, and and that way, yeah, like the kids were like uh, you know tech savvy enough that they you know everyone's been saying you know, oh, screens overload but it they does know serve. everything yeah yeah they pretty much how did you were you a city kid were you in the country how did you grow up as uh, uh town of mount royal so sort of oh, okay sort of suburb in the city suburb type thing like uh tmr yeah the best neighborhood it was it was good yeah it was uh, uh yeah you know just parks and things to do but i don't know close as he grew up, is close enough to it's downtown. Close to everything, but it's a suburb. I think mm-hmm. it's the best built neighborhood. I keep saying this because of that, because it feels like you're away, mm-hmm. and then in thirty seconds you're right back in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, not a lot of traffic in your ear, but you can you can get there quickly. And I never asked you what happened. So when you were young, how did you get into comedy? Did you start writing first? Did you want to go to a mic? Like how did that happen? Mm. Um. Yeah, it was, I, I just, I'd done a bunch of university and stuff, and I was was just kind of at that that crossroads where you're not sure what to do. So what I were just, you in? I did journalism. Okay. And, um, but, uh, yeah, but I was, but I kind of, I started taking the acting workshops just for something to do, and I was just thinking of different, like, because I started thinking I want to be in broadcast, but, well, maybe acting's a thing. And then I thought, I just sort of thought of stand-up kind of randomly as a, and, um, and yeah, it was, it was, this was, I was living in Halifax at the time. So it was actually, I met Paul Ash there. Oh yeah. Who yeah. starred, who was, was doing comedy in Halifax. You had told me, I think that he was running an open mic and he, you met him there at his show. It was his open he, mic. No, he booked me first. Cause he was at this, this acting workshop that I did and, and. After the fact, I sort of asked the like I was. What other workshops are there? Do you have a stand up workshop? No, but that that you just go talk to that guy, and uh, and he was running a show, and he just said it's like it's in a week and a half. Like, do you think you have five minutes ready? And I was like, I don't know. And uh, yeah, and I still have that set on cassette. The first set you ever did? Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it went well, but I mean, listening to it, it's brutal. Obviously, but, yeah. but uh, the audience liked it, and uh, so then you know, any more of these, and just like over the next four months, there'd be like one show a month that uh, would pop up, and you'd jump yeah, on I'd and jump on and try try stuff. 
And did you, oh, so obviously you still know Paul Ash, but were there any other friends there that you made that then you just continued being close with? Um, Not not really uh, on the comedy scene. I mean, I met uh, Andrew Bush, who was in, in Picnic Face. Okay. Uh, so I met him through that. And um, so I, but him, I, I sort of, you know, bump into years later sort of thing. And because um, because he's, you know, sort of took off with Picnic Face sketch and, and with acting in general and stuff. Um, but, uh, the, one of the coolest ones was like my fifth or sixth gig was, uh, um, it was a show put on by the then, uh, 22 minutes writers who were Tim Steves, Mark Farrell and Chris Finn. And, um, and, uh, yeah. And they've kind of opened up the first, you know, 15 minutes of the show to like people who wanted to jump on and try a set. And I, I did one there and I did really well and it was Tim and I still, you know, occasionally bump into tim um and uh yeah and he was the one who said like where are you from it's in montreal he's like yeah go back there there's there's not enough in halifax like you you want to you know get on this get get some regular stage time yeah yeah and uh yeah and that happened to fit in with my plans and so i went home and uh i wasn't planning on staying here anyway <laughs> and you just leave <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and when you, uh, where was, so uh, what year did you start? Because I know uh, I've tried to learn from Acrobit and other comics that were here during that time to learn about what was it, the, the Comedy Zone. And, was the Comedy Zone, was that what it was called? The, uh, or the No, uh, not yet. Um, so that was like uh, when I moved back to Montreal and, and did my first set at Jimbo's, that was 1998. Okay, 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 okay. And, um, and uh, that that was one of those rare things where Jimbo happened to be watching, which never happened. But that day he happened to be watching, and he liked me and said, "You know, come back again." So I started getting regular stage time there, and then uh, started getting some Nest stage time. And the Comedy Nest was in the Nouvelle Hotel, where the Zone ended up being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedy that's- Zone. Yeah, they they were they kept moving them around, right? He was never at the same spot for too long. The nest, well, yeah, starting in like two thousand one, it just started. It moved, yeah, it just started jumping around like for like five years. It was, yeah, just it was weird. It was always finding these little rooms, and a lot of them were pretty bad, and it would go to somewhere else. Um, yeah, and so you were doing those rooms, and then yeah, there was uh, like. I sort of got on this circuit like every Thursday there'd be like a, you know, some strip mall on the island of Montreal and they'd, there'd be a bar gig and I'd like get 10 bucks for a sh- for that show. So it kind of worked out well. Like you had your Monday uh, Jimbo's open mics, your Thursday bar gig, and then just fill in, you know, other spots in there. And did you, is that how like you developed a bit of a crew? You start to meet other people that were doing the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, and it's funny, yeah. I can I can kind of like name name the sort of Montreal comic, and I can I, I'll, I'll probably be able to like I'll remember the gig like where we where we met. Like Acker was at uh, Comedy Works Tuesday night on the spot. Did uh, a headline spot the movie back then? Every Tuesday they 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 parodied a movie with improv. That's funny. But there was a an MC spot and an opening spot, and I got the opening spot. Acker was MCing, and that's where. And so I just remember, like, that's where we crossed paths. What about Heidi Falls? Where'd you meet her? That was Bourbon Street West. Because um, Scott Falkenbridge was on on the spot. So I met him at the same time I was doing, like, a, they were giving me opening spots. And then he was headlining The Nest. My first 
time at the nest was opening spots for Scott Falkenbridge. So the Wednesday nights they did a Bourbon Street West comedy nest show. And that's where I met Heidi. That's where I met DJ, the same show, DJ McCarthy. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was cool. So I was on the show with Heidi, DJ, and, and Scott. And, and then, uh, yeah, I did the rest of the And at the time, you guys didn't know it, but that was like a killer lineup. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Give that to me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's insane. And then how did you, so, so what happened? When was the shift that you're like, all right, I, I got to start going around a bit more. There are other clubs in the country. I got to, because I never spoke to anyone to see how that shift happened. Like when they started doing stuff in Montreal, when did they start looking west a bit? Mm. I guess um, um, the uh, Ottawa was, you know, that's that's kind of a gateway for like stage time out of province because of the Ottawa yucks. Um, they'd have open mics on Wednesdays, and it, and it's I think it's still a bit of a tradition for some young like Montreal comics to like organize a carpool and you like yeah I've call done in. that yeah yeah and it's kind of kind of fun and so I sort of got into that mode a bit of like me and a couple other people would go try stuff out on the uh, Ottawa club and then um, eventually get some opening spots there. And then they'd sort of say, well, you know, there's other, try some other yucks. And uh, like in 2000, I went out West for the first time doing, uh, doing there like the like West. Alberta and Vancouver, Alber and Alberta and BC. Yeah. Oh, nice. And that was great. I got, I got pummeled like the first, like uh, just from crowd reaction. Oh, the shows weren't <laughs> going well. They were, <laughs> I, yeah, my first first show was uh, Williams Lake in the BC interior, and here I came out with all all my intellectual like Greek mythology oh, material. Oh no! And just uh, you think you're better than us, Pride? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it's yeah, and that was an opening for Daryl Mack, who who's a comic out west, and I I was working with him a few years ago, and we reminisced about that. Like, remember remember when I came out with the Cyclops bit, and they just weren't having it, and they were they weren't having it. I, and I transitioned from, yeah, it was the bit of a cyclops. How does a cyclops wink at people? That was the premise of that. You know, it's impossible. They just think you're blinking weird. <laughs> and um, which, yeah, no. They, they were having yeah, none of it. They were having none of that. Like, and I transitioned from that into Cerberus, the three-headed dog of the underworld. And I just remember, just I just said dog. And a guy just started screaming, who let the dogs out? And it was like. Oh, this is a classy joint. It, yeah. <laughs> it was. Um, but yeah. And so, yeah, I had, had a bunch of shows like that and that was a, that was kind of a good, good way to, I don't know, you learn, learn to survive those shows and learn to bomb gracefully and it's baptism by fire. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of that. There's a, even here, it was the same thing for me. There's a lot of gigs that, you know, they're awful at the time. And then I look back now, I go, but you know what? Because of that, now I'm unfazed. Yeah. I, Cause I think, you know. I, I was the first few shows at Jimbo's. I, you know, I was doing pretty decent. And then, but then, you know, eventually you hit one where it's like, Hey, they're not reacting to the stuff that usually gets laughs. And, and, um, but it is kind of, it helps you. First of all, you realize it's not really that bad. Like, yeah. You can survive it. You get off stage feeling a bit embarrassed, but then like, then you do the same jokes a couple of nights later. And, oh, you know, it's, it wasn't me. It was them or something. <laughs> yeah, that's the... Yeah. But also the embarrassment we're used to, especially as comics, I do embarrassing things all the time. So now, whenever that happens, I'm like, you know what? I've been embarrassed before and this ain't the last time. I'm going to be embarrassed again. So just live with it and move on. Yeah, yeah. I think um, 
I mean, it's yeah, bombing's interesting because it's just because uh, it never gets fun. No, it's it's never good. But what's sort of nice is the recovery time is so much faster. The longer you're doing this, you can have a horrible show and it'll still you'll still I for, I don't know about you. For me, it's like a hangover the next day. When you just sort of, because even at the time, it's bad, but it's still kind of, you're a bit in shock or whatever. So there's a bit of distance mentally. But when you wake, it's always when I wake up the next morning, it's like, ah, what did I do last night? Like, it's, uh, and then you feel bad. You you feel feel, bad, but. And you're walking around, like. I I look for the next set. I need, it's like, I have to cleanse my palate. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But what's nice, though, is that it, and that, and that. First of all, if you're doing this long enough, then the next set, you know, the next set's coming pretty fast. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it's going to go better because now you're, yeah. you have all your guns ready. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it's, and, and you just, I don't know, it's that difference between if you've, if you've got 20 shows in your career, then one bomb is, oh my God, I'm a 5%. Yeah. Terrible do comic. Well, yeah. And if you've got a thousand, then one bomb is like, yeah, I don't. Don't don't even feel that on the in the big geological chart of your career. It's like it's exactly that, and the feeling is weird because I remember in the beginning. So when you bomb and you don't have that many shows, that's what I would think. I'd be like, I gotta quit this. This isn't for me. Yeah, yeah. This isn't for me. Nobody was laughing. Yeah, but it's like yeah, because you've done five shows and you just bombed one. Yeah. So in your head, you're like, what? I can't even be good. Maybe a quarter of the time. Yeah, no, that's not right. Yeah, I mean, I think Seinfeld said like it's start now. It was like one and two went bad. Like and. And you just uh, slog through, and that's a weird business. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it makes sense that not a lot of people get very far in it with that yeah. kind of uh, experience, like negative experience. But uh, yeah, our kill rate is uh, if we were in the military right now, yeah, it, yeah. it, it wouldn't look good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or batting average or whatever. Yeah, yeah, our batting average is yeah, our kill rate. Yeah, holy crap! <laughs> I was thinking of Afghanistan. But so, what about right? Because you're a great fucking writer. I I know on stage, obviously, because of your jokes, you're known as one of our and our. I don't mean Montreal. When I say our, this is Canada, as one of our best. But in terms of writing, because you do other writing too, you'll write. You can write for shows. You have like this this skill set that where did it come from? Because when I think of journalism, if that's what you studied, it's more of like observe and report. But your power that I see comes from creating. You know, which is the, the opposite of observe and report, you, yeah, you yeah. know? So it's, where does that, yeah. like, how did that get into the mix? I mean, that was the big sort of bummer about once I was in journalism and like, wait, I, I can't make stuff up. I, mean, I guess, I guess some can, but you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> and uh, Start like, a war. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but start a comedic war. Now that's, that's something I can get behind, you know, and uh, so yeah, I, I did like that. Um uh, that, yeah, I suddenly realized, yeah, no, I don't want to report stuff. I want to like embellish and twist and laugh about it and make it, yeah, make it, uh, not serious. When did that switch happen in terms of thinking, okay, I got these skills, but I don't like them, but I got these skills. Like I, I got the skills of how to observe and report. Can I take this and turn it into something I do like? Like, was there a switch that happened or was it gradual? Cause you were just doing stand up and you're like, yeah, gradual, I guess. You didn't even notice, huh? Yeah, not really. Like, I, and I still, yeah, and I'm not, yeah, maybe I'm too, I don't necessarily always see the threads between, you know, because you could say, well, maybe, you know, the journalism writing, you learn, you know, being economical with words and stuff like that. And you could say, oh, well, that must help your comedy. But I don't, 
I don't know I if don't it does, like but that. for sure so, it might have. Like, like it, it, yeah. everything probably helps everything, but but I don't. Yeah, I'm just too close to it to like, and I don't want to think about it too hard. It's kind of fun that I'm just. It's a little ambiguous. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah, I try not to. I, I don't know. I'll let other people analyze stuff, and then I'll take notes from them. You'll be like, ah, I never knew that. Probably. Yeah. yeah on my. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's and it. then, so you were doing the 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 circuits here. You were going to Ottawa. You were going out west. Was there was there a time when you felt like, all right, I'm a professional comedian. This is what I do now. There's no turning back. Do you remember that moment, or again, were you just lost in the fog? Oh, maybe maybe a little lost in the fog. I think I think I just assumed I was a professional, and but it was just going to be really like unimpressive tedium. But but I kind of accept like I kind of liked that anyway. So. So um, yeah, I never, I never really felt like I'm a professional. Look at what I'm doing for a living, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is what I do, and I'm just. Uh, paying but did some you ever feel it. like it's temporary, or did when you were in it, you're no, like, no, I'm keeping this. No, I think I wanted to keep it, except you know, you go through slogs where you're not not feeling that good. I I, I do think of like there's you know different different phases of like. You know, I look at like 2003 to 2006 and I just sort of look and think, yeah, I don't remember a lot of highlights there. Like, yeah, I think maybe that was, it, it, there are stages where you don't think you're going anywhere, but yeah. it's kind of cool because you, because you just stay in it anyway. And if I look at it at those years objectively, if even if there are no highlights, I do, I can think of some, oh no, I did, oh no, there was that show that went well. And I, oh, that's when I came up with those bits. And uh, there are like, and you do say, oh no, okay, there was, I was still, you know, you're still pushing the boulder up the mountain sort of thing, even if you don't feel like you're doing great, you're still, you're still staying in it, so you're still just moving along. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and then, you know, the, the little, little highlights there, and then you sort of, yeah, up and down sort of thing. We always have these little plateaus. I think so, Yeah. But you always move. You're right, though. You're always sometimes with myself too. Whenever I think I wasn't getting stuff done, it's just because I wouldn't step back because I'm in it. Yeah. So you don't see the inches. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, it's and you just sort of real like you know I two, I did my first debaters I think in 2007 or 2008, and that and if you ask me about that phase, like it's kind of like yeah, that was a bit of a nothing phase, and then it's like oh no, but that was kind of a Big that, deal. Was a, that was a crucial yeah. thing because I got a lot of uh, stuff out of that. And yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, it's sort of strange to, to look at it over time. Um, but that's how mostly it feels like is just, just, I mean, maybe it's like that with everyone's day job, you know, you don't. Yeah. You don't see the progression. Yeah. I think the difference with us is like, I can't see myself not doing it. You know, like let's say a job, you're like, oh, I like this. I'm a manager here. Maybe I should try and apply for something else. Maybe I can mm -hmm. learn this. Mm -hmm. I it's very difficult for me to think of a reality where I just don't do comedy. Yeah, I was. I mean, the pandemic came pretty close. Uh, yeah, it was very scary for a while. Yeah, um, and I could. I got very sort. I I'll even say comfortable with the idea that I'm not doing this. Like that's one thing. I didn't. I didn't go. I wasn't suddenly like. Angry, like depressed that I've lost a piece of myself. Like I, I found okay, I can, I can actually you have other survive. outlets. Yeah, I did. I think um, at the same time, it was kind of cool to uh, 
every so often, you know, a burst of inspiration and just like write it down, type it down. And like someday that's, that's going to wheel. It's, I don't know how many months this is going, but this is coming out someday somewhere. So, but you were writing during the time, like you were, did you have writing gigs or were you, you took everything off uh, during the beginning of this? No, yeah, no, I didn't really have, have much going on. So it was just um, completely all away from this, but, fo- but you also have a family, you were focusing on them. Oh yeah, very yeah. much. I was, yeah, no, I felt, I felt plenty like preoccupied, but um, yeah, yeah. So, it, but it was kind of a, a shut down, um, like uh, creatively, except, you know, except for the odd, you know, chunks of material that would, you know, I'd squirrel away and um, it was cool. Cause then, uh, you know, 2021 we're still in lockdown but then rodney ramsey started opened up the, the unknown comedy club virtual shows yeah. and, and he it, puts effort in that yeah. yeah yeah he's and uh he and daniel woodrow are like that's and that was like like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna try this this stuff out and and it was fun to do and it was like and that was that was a real i won't say a lifesaver because like, i wasn't like drowning or anything but it was a good Certainly a pick me up, like, uh, like, uh, oh, cool, like, um, just getting your feet wet again, just feeling well, getting that open mic rhythm going. It's like, I, I love it, I love doing an open mic, and then you know, for a day after, you're you're writing a lot because you're just motivated, you just, you just saw a bunch of things work, and you're like, yeah, I want, I want to explore this a bit, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's uh, so that was good, so I'm, I'm grateful for that, uh, that outlet for sure, and um. I didn't notice myself in the beginning how much I missed stand-up. I knew that I would have to get back to it eventually. But I think I was lucky because I was podcasting so much. Mm-hmm. I had this outlet. So I didn't realize that it was missed until we had opened back up. And I, I think it was those first shows. Remember the Nest last year when it opened for a couple of months yeah, before yeah. The, the big lockdown? Mm-hmm. And it was just going back on stage. That nervousness and just, oh, no, this is where I belong. And I hadn't noticed because I was so preoccupied. Because other people, I, I saw comics that were frustrated because they didn't have any other outlet. Mm-hmm. They weren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anything to focus, to preoccupy their mind with. Mm-hmm. So they were jonesing for it. But I remember being like, oh, I think I could survive a bit longer without stand-up. And the second I got back on stage, I was like, oh, no, 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 I, I can't. I got to keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. That was interesting. That was like, yeah, July 2020, mm. which like I remember that as one of the good pandemic months. Yeah. Like, um, because it was like in a lot of ways, it was sort of like doors were opening up and people were getting out again. But yeah, I thought that was that was funny. I remember that first first night back on stage and everyone was feeling great and the audience was feeling great. But it was still like it didn't. I found it didn't take long for it to, you know, it wasn't quite the same. It was you know, it re- was something off. Remember how comics with you know were just taken off right after their set because it was sort of yeah yeah it was weird. You, you didn't know what you could do, what you can't, what you should do. Yeah yeah, but a lot of people were just you know, okay, well I better not stick around too long. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I think the first couple of audiences were into it, but then, it, but yeah, I, I found a lot of the audiences were sort of tight because there was there was still something in the air. Tension and yeah. worry. Yeah, it was a rough time. Yeah, now, and then, but now this, you know, this past July twenty twenty one was, then that felt like we were all back in in business. Like, cause, yeah. um, I think I think the vaccines kind of took a load off of a lot of people. Yeah, that mentally, the only difference that I feel at the nest now is just obviously we can't be at full capacity. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, you feel like you're doing shows again. Yeah, very much. 
People are laughing. They're into it. Last weekend I was there uh, for Joey. Joey had his weekend. Mm -hmm. The shows that I was on, they were, you know, they they wanted to be there. They were having fun. Yeah, yeah. And I wish we could have fit more people in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's uh, but it is it's nice to like the half capacity in the in the 2020 shows. You could really feel that limited capacity, but uh, but so far so far half capacity is still pretty good. Yeah, as long as they want it. it because they're into it. Yeah, and I've noticed that too in the beginning when you would have sometimes a small show would surprise you. Mm-hmm. You'd go somewhere like, look, we couldn't sell any tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys are going to perform for 10 people. You're like, oh, this can be brutal. And then it turned into a great show with 10 people that were really yeah. into it. You kind of learn as you go that sometimes you can't judge it. Yeah, that was a great lesson. Like I, I sort of figured out fairly early on that what exactly what you're saying, that just at the beginning – the first few times you do some of those real short, small shows or whatever. And yeah, you have it in your head like, oh, this is going to be terrible. And yeah, now, now I never, I never jump to conclusions on that stuff. Cause, and not even just crowd size, but you sort of walk into a bar and you think this layout's all wrong or yeah. this is, or they just seem, you know, really chatty, chatty and unfocused. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's, uh, I know Rodney and I, like my favorite example of it was Rodney and I did like McGill, some McGill students wanted a comedy show and, and um, we both sort of arrived at the same time and there was no chairs, not, there was like just milling around like a cocktail party, all these people standing up and what, and there's like a microphone just like off in the corner. And we were like, Oh, this is, this is going to be the worst. And then sure enough, like, and it was, you know, it was, Showtime was not that far away, and like, uh, and then we talked to the guy finally. He's like, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, cool, no, it'll be great. And like, five minutes before, he's like, Okay, everyone, and they like the students all like grabbed chairs and bam, 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 rows of chairs were suddenly set up, and and the microphone was like in front, and they were all sitting down, and they were, well, like, they were ready, so they, they were, were ready just to go. killing time, and uh, and we we're like, What, and then yeah, great shows, and or like great sets and uh it's like okay i'm never never gonna get depressed again or you know sometimes and sometimes i've had shows where i thought they were gonna go great and they weren't into it that's why now i don't think about it too much yeah yeah because i've been wrong both on both sides yeah i guess so yeah yeah but you learn the longer you do this that you don't know anything that's what i learned i go I, you know what i know nothing that's what i know yeah you just gotta yeah you just just have to sort of be ready to roll with anything, and you got to do the Bruce Lee thing. Just be water. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got. Speaking of, so you you're a big comic book guy, mm-hmm. and it comes out on your in your sets as well. Like you like to bring a lot of that stuff in for the people that understand it. Uh, not all your sets, obviously, but I had heard you do uh, comic book related stuff, which made me happy because I didn't know in the beginning until I heard you speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were trying jokes once. I don't know if it was for battlecom or you were doing jokes for um maybe uh, when we do the comic on here but i was like holy fuck i didn't know that uh, pride is into comics mm-hmm. well is that something that you you got into early there was a yeah um and i'm not and i'm i'm not as like i don't i don't collect any new stuff anymore i'm kind of out of it that way but i'm still super nostalgic about it and i go to like websites all the time and just read What's going on? Yeah. What? Well, not yeah. A little of what's going on, but mostly like you know the sites that'll just have you know top twenty lists of. But I, I was a eighties eighties boy. Like I, that was my golden age of of Marvel and DC. Um. But so yeah. So everything everything I consume online is kind of just looking backwards like that. Um. Although I've like 
if I do, I, I discovered like years ago that our local library um, in LaSalle like had this massive graphic novel section and you could just order stuff as you wanted. So I did start, I did go back and start like, so I kept caught up a little bit with stuff like, you know. Oh, so I didn't know that you have that library. Yeah, yeah. And the one, the bonk, like downtown is also really good for that. I, when I, then I sort of branched out and found stuff there. But now, I like, mostly I, the stuff I like is, like, not Marvel or DC superheroes, but sort of indie stuff. And, oh, really? like, uh, you know, I was picking up Walking Dead trades, like, at the library and stuff. Once, was this before The Walking Dead got picked up to become a show? Yeah, like, right, right, just a little bit. I, I came to it a little bit late, but just a little before the TV show happened. But, yeah, so I do like a lot of indie stuff, but I do like going back to Marvel and DC stuff, like, uh, from the olden days. I think about uh, a lot because it, it had massive influence on me, especially Marvel. Mm-hmm. Dude, the amount of Spider-Man comics I had, mm. and I still have. I, I just got to go to my mom's house, and I got boxes of them. Yeah. Um, but it was just such, even the way I would tell, you know, if I would write stories for class, and I think I was influenced heavily by uh, Stan Lee. By mm. Just, you know, the, you know, not just the good versus evil, but the repercussions of trying to do the good thing, which would always happen to Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he was just trying... You see that he's not the perfect superhero because he's just a kid. He's trying to pay rent. He's trying to... So all that stuff, I knew the the like um, the broken hero. Mm-hmm. I could see that that seeped into my life and moving forward, whenever I have to write something, my characters are never perfect. Yeah, yeah. They have to have an issue. They have to have, and it's because of all the stuff I took in as a kid mm-hmm. from reading those types of comics. So um, I'm a big comic. Like I, again, now I don't have the time, and I won't be able to read them. I do a lot of audiobooks now, mostly than, than anything visual, because because the yeah. time. So I'll listen when. I, but um, I love fucking. I love comics. I love talking comics. Yeah. And I like seeing where they're at now because it's a whole different world than what I knew. Yeah. Well, that's my sort of yeah. Issue. I, I just want to say, like speaking of influence, like. I, I liked sort of a technical, like, tech speaker or whatever in comics. And I remember starting comedy, and I had, I wanted to, like, I wanted to just bring up, like, um, like uh, miniaturized protein capsules or something. Like, I was doing a rant about yeah. something. And I wanted, and, and I, but, yeah, this this is how into Marvel I was, is I knew the exact issue of Fantastic Four that I could just run to. I knew what page to flip to, and I just <laughs> wrote down, like, the... The uh, yeah, it was a it was a high high phosphate protein cat. Like I just I just copied the tech jargon, but yeah. So I like I mean I'm, yeah. Sometimes for writing it is like like uh, that's actually very funny. You yeah, knew yeah. which fucking issue? What's that? You knew which issue? Yeah, yeah. I forget. Like people sometimes I'll see them online. They'll talk. Well, if you look at issue number, I don't know how you remember the issue numbers because to me it was never what was important. My what was always important was a story arc. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And then I could kind of remember what year it was because of the arc. Yeah, no, I, I, I was a photographic memory, like issue number person, and uh, and that's how I'd remember the stories. You could have been in the CIA. I, yeah, I, I should have. Yeah. I may still be, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But what was I going to say before that? Yeah, but like, uh, um, about following what what the comics are doing now. Like I, I. After like I, because I kept up with Marvel and D, or I'd sort of float away, but then come back. But I don't know about you, I, because it's not the ones the way the stories I grew up with anymore. Like, even if they're cool, they're they're kind of you know you know like what if stories. They all feel like what if stories now. To me too, I, everything I see now is non-canon. 
So I don't, yeah. I'm not emotionally attached to it. I'm like, this isn't real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. When you're a kid, it is real. And yeah. So, and even now, it's like, what do you mean? None of this is real. Why don't you just accept this? Like, I don't have time for this. This isn't real. This is kid stuff. Yeah, exactly. No, it's because uh, I think, you know, one of the ones I did check out was a few years ago was Superior Spider-Man when Doc Ock and Spider-Man switched bodies. Yeah, yeah. And even that, I thought, this is a really cool story. Um but it's but it's not really happening. It's not so. real to me, damn it. Yeah, it's like none of this is real, David. But, but it's yeah. Uh, yeah. But when you're a kid, it's okay. that's I guess one of the joys of being a kid is that you don't have much going on, so you can afford to like put your whole heart and soul into who got killed in Alpha Flight. You know, yeah, you you get emotionally invested. Yeah, yeah. Alpha Flight, a Canadian team. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I collected that, and uh, yeah, issue number twelve. They uh, they. I don't know. Spoiler? You want to spoil? Can we have spoilers? Yeah, we can have for spoilers. Nineteen eighty-four, when Guardian like blows up the the leader, <laughs> the founder and leader of the team, and I was like, "What?" No of respect all- for Canadians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he wore the flag and everything, and they just got rid of him. But I remember thinking how ridiculous, and I still like though, but I, how ridiculous it was even as a kid that Alpha Flight existed. I don't know why I thought it was ridiculous. I was like, "We can't have superheroes here." Yeah. Like it seemed. Normal that the U.S. can have superheroes, but if Canada had superheroes, I thought it was stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't mind that they existed, but it was yeah. Some of the the cliches were kind of funny. The fact they had a member named Puck, like, yeah. like well, that's we know what you think of us, I guess. You know. Yeah, even as a kid, as a, I'd be like, this is a little, it's a little on the nose, on the dumb. nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it had huge that in video games. Video games influenced me a lot. Mm. I don't know what I take with me in in, in stand up. With all that, I know for sure I take something. Like you said, I don't super analyze it, but for mm-hmm. sure I take something with all my influences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But video games had a big, big effect on me. And it's strange to think about the pop culture references that you keep mm-hmm. and how, because I'm sure everyone's influenced by all the stuff that they loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they could pin it direct. Some people, they loved reading and they became writers. Mm-hmm. So you see the direction, yeah. you know, and it's a, such a direct line. And then with us, because what we do on stage is so weird, and even podcast, I don't know what influencing over something else i know that they all it's kind of an amalgamation of everything yeah but i don't know what i'm taking from them me neither even even the stand-up like i I wasn't a big stand-up fan as a kid but i had i knew some and i knew i liked steve martin a lot um but and my biggest comedy fandom was monty python okay um but if as for the influence like i can't really because i'm not like them but I loved what they did, and maybe, I don't know, maybe something about them. Maybe just motivated you to do your thing. Who knows? It's Yeah, I don't know. Um, you never but, got into video games? No, not, not uh, so, I mean, I remember Atari games. I recently, I discovered over the pandemic, the, you know, the, the Google page that you can actually find a Google Pac-Man, and I've been, yeah, yeah. I've been playing a lot of Pac-Man just because I remembered playing Pac-Man, but. Oh, so you were never a gamer. You never got into that stuff. Not really. I like you know I like slow games like uh, Civilization. That's I love thing. Civilization. Yeah, um, yeah, I like stuff like that. I was never into really fat. I and mean, I guess some long form games, but not not too much. Do you live in your head a lot? Yeah, because I, um, I do that often too, and that's the times when I spend doing solo activities like that, like games that I don't want them to be multiplayer. I need just me. Let me take my time and do what I need to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like that too. Have you always been like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing about the pandemic. I started thinking, okay, if if this if I was in elementary school like and I I had a year and a half off, 
like how crazy would I go? And I decided, no, I'd be, I think I'd be okay. I used to draw, I actually drew comic books like with crayon and, and stuff. I, I used to draw comic books. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd probably be doing that. I, and they were all like direct ripoffs of Marvel. Right. Yeah. Like I had, I had a, a six issues of my creator owned uh stunt man. It was daredevil. <laughs> but it was just like stunt man. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, I remember my dad taught me like the word, like I was looking for an X-Men ripoff and he, he said like, why not the ozones? And I was like, what's the ozones? You know what? doesn't matter. They're the ozones. And I had a mutant team of ozones. It made no sense at all, but yeah, no, I, I my sister found one of the books I had made and she was laughing cause it made no sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I put so much effort into it. Yeah. No, my, uh, my, uh, kids, uh, I showed them the stuntman stuff and it, uh, they found it pretty hilarious. Like just, are they creative? How are they? Are they extroverts, introverts? Uh, yeah, we kind of, kind of the a lot of the activities they've been in over the years have been kind of lent to extroversion. Like they've they've been in a lot of performances. Like there's when we were in Ver, like uh, we're near Verdun and there's a circus school for kids and we there's got a them. circus school. Yes, yeah, and uh, just where you you start off as a little kid and just it's kind of learning gymnastics. But if you stay in it, you know you could be your, a carny. Pretty much, yeah. So they've done a bit of that, and you know, and they've they've been in a lot of uh, like uh, you know, like end end of year, you know, presentations for the parents. Like I've been to so many of those for like circus, or you know, they've been in choirs. A choir uh, must be cool. Jordy Theater School, they they do, which is just kind of like improv games, and and uh, so so they've kind of they've they've kind of got uh, when I was their age, I was you know, petrified of attention. Yeah. And I think, you know, whatever stage fright impulses they have are kind of getting whittled away because we just shove them in front of people so often with uh, these activities. Wait, so if you had that bit of fear, it's strange how you didn't have any fear going on your first open mic. You're like, no, I want to try this. I wanted to try it, but I was, uh, I was super, I don't know when it stopped, but my, first like year of stand-up was i was like stephen wright uh like stage fright very timid delivery but the jokes were like kind of juxtaposed against like what i was being like on stage but at, like my first at first that was not not by design it was just my hook was like look at this look at this like nervous little guy who's like gonna drop bombs about pornography or something yeah, like that. Yeah, because you're you know? not expecting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did. It, it kind of helped. It kind of fueled. And then that kind of fueled the confidence. And then eventually the confidence kind of killed that persona a little bit. Um, but then you just yeah go on to the next thing. So it took you over a year to start finally feeling confident on yeah. stage. Well, or at least, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I felt I was getting good feedback overall and other other comedians were encouraging me so i'm it was okay that way but yeah it took yeah i don't know no i mean probably over a year i was probably yeah i don't maybe you know including you know williams lake british columbia was probably still with me and that uh, that's what was holding you back maybe that's what maybe that was the turning point where it's like okay i gotta stop this nervous shit yeah shut up that who who let the dogs out? An old guy. guy yelled at me and said, "Shut up, nerd! I can't yeah. let that happen again. Never again." <laughs> yeah. Well, and how come you never or do you? Because uh, 
you know the other cities in Canada, but so you you were like, I'm going back to Montreal after Halifax. How come you never left Montreal? Um, I remember I because that 1998 when I was meeting all the Montreal crowd, and I I think I had it in my head like, good, I'll do a summer in Montreal, and uh, then I'll go to Toronto, and I'll move to Toronto, and that'll be where things will happen. And uh, I remember my little re- reconnaissance trip in like August of 1998 and uh, you know I stayed with people and I lined up a bunch of open mic shows and stuff and uh, it went well but I was just like sort of looking around and like um, especially then I guess it's still true but the cost of living was just so insane it's worse now yeah and the stage time that I was getting it was good but it was not not when the works in the nest are letting you jump on pretty regular yeah, I thought. Yeah, I don't think I want to like pay triple the cost of living to do just sort of satellite shows. I mean, I'm sure you know. I'm. I guess it, you know. Maybe in the long run, who knows? Like, I, I guess I could have if I got into the yucks system there. But um, at the time, in the short term, it just seemed like no. I'm gonna live close to home, like home for cheaper, and get and the stage time will be just as as valuable. And you you started to have your crew too. Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah. you get comfortable because I, I know for myself it feels it feels good going where you know the comics and you can have fun with them. You yeah, can yeah. talk. There's something about that. The and same thing with um in general living in a city. Like I've been asked, hey, how come you don't move here? Or I've had put, like opportunities to move to Texas. A lot of them the past mm, couple cool. of years. But you know what? What scares me is the fact that if just thinking about being somewhere where now I'm new again. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if I need to get my car fixed. I don't know where to go. I don't have a guy. If I'm at the club, I'm the new guy. I don't know anybody there. Mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. like here where I could shoot the shit in the back and we'll joke around. And yeah, yeah. It, and that always, that's a fear in my head. So I understand the. Yeah. And you know, uh, and plus now sort of, yeah, knowing how long it, it takes and stuff. Like, so the thought of starting from scratch in a new place, like it's crazy. Yeah. You're going to have to, you know, you'll be, you're, Coming and I've yeah with the family and stuff I just I just don't want to. Um, I can't see David Pride becoming an open micer. That's in, that's insane to me. Oh, no, I could see that. Like I love open mic, so I could you know. Th- yeah, you could do them, but, but to I'd, become an open micer, no, that's. But I'd starve to death, and uh, everyone uh, everyone I loved would, would abandon me. Yeah, so. yeah I, I would starve to death. I, I, you ever thought about the time it takes to get decent success in order to start maybe living? If you knew. If you, if I told you, you know, you go back in time and you tell your old self it'll take X amount of time, or would that help motivate that person or deter that person? And I, and I have often struggled to think about it in my head because I know now if you told me you restart and do 10, 11 years, I don't think at this point in my life I would be able to give up another 10 something years. I wouldn't be able to. But yeah. back then, if you told me, look, at least if you do this for this many years, maybe I'd have the strength to continue as a motivating factor. I guess so. I don't know. Um, I I remember just at the start, it was so much fun that probably just just being told that you'll still be doing it in ten years would probably be oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Because like, um, it was, you know, it's fun. Uh, the, like uh, the the first, yeah, the first first little while. I don't know. I'm just mentioning those bar gig shows on Thursday. Like a lot of them were ridiculous, but it was just. Uh, it, I don't know. It was. It's it's good because you, you, yeah, you just have a new focus in life and. I don't know about you. I I I, I kind of liked that I had somewhere to be on a on a weekend night. Yeah. Like, um, 
because uh like I, I already had plans. If if someone asked me to go, go out and stuff, it's I, I like that too. Yeah, I didn't have to do all the social activities that I didn't want to do in the first place. Yeah, I can, I can't. I got a gig. I got a gig. Like and yeah, and I like that. You know, my Fridays and Saturdays were full, and but I was getting home with more money. Yeah, instead of less. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I enjoy that too. Um. So yeah, little things like that. I, I enjoyed a lot of the um in the beginning. You know what I enjoyed? I enjoyed the um the mental back and forth. So you would have a premise or a joke and you would normally it's stuff that you struggle with alone. But as soon as you start getting a little bit of a crew and friends and comedy, mm -hmm. you could bounce it off someone that is a peer. Mm. So they're not going to ridicule you for whatever the subject matter yeah, is. Yeah. They're just going to tell you whether the joke works or not. Yeah. So I love that being able to say something completely ridiculous that to a civilian, they'd be like, just get away from me. But to a comic, oh, actually, yeah, if you add another clown, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> and there was something about that that I loved. Yeah. And I remember too when I was starting out, um, the uh, time's, time's up. Mm -mm. Um, the, uh, the first couple times, you know, Cause telling my friends, hey, I'm 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 doing I'm doing shows, I'm doing stand-up. and I remember first a couple of friends anyway wanted to hear the jokes. Like, so what are you gonna do then? What are you gonna? And I remember running jokes by my friend over the phone, and it was terrible. They didn't. You're it's it's a conversation. They didn't they they I didn't get it, or they'd say, oh, you should you realize what you're saying could actually also mean this other. And I'm like, yes, I know that's why. And and it's, it's just like <laughs> that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and you know it would totally like wreck your confidence and then but then i'd go and do it on stage and it would okay fine and like the lesson i learned is i'm not running anything by anyone unless you know it's someone in the business yeah or who gets it and who, they won't yeah and uh but yeah it was just that was just a weird thing i remember just like like uh yeah don't don't run it run it by an audience that's who you run it by and I, I remember thinking um because there's some stuff that works well on stage and it works in that context. Mm -hmm. But even when you bring it up to someone, it just sounds crazy. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is so weird that I finally found a group of people who are as weird as I am that I can open the conversation with something ridiculous and they're not going to run away. They're going to be like, well, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the first time I live without having because it's hard to, to get this group of misfits together normally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... uh. Yeah, no, it, it's just cool though that they'll be like, "I see what you did." Ah, I, I see what you're doing. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, whereas civilians, well, I'm calling them civilians, but not. They're like, "What the fuck? Why would you even think of that? What, what are you saying?" Yeah, that's that's great. Eh? The whole like, "Why would you think of that?" That's that's always a good a bombing experience when you just get that vibe off the crowd. Like, why are you telling us this? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah like, like they're angry. They're angry. Like, this has no practical use <laughs> to me yeah it's uh, I, I had that recently actually with one of my jokes uh saturday night where i lost him for a good two minutes because yeah. i just kept hammering it away yeah yeah and then i was like all right now i gotta get them back so then i had to work to get him in but there was also that fun wave but i remember them looking at me being like where's he but the comics were laughing yeah i was yeah. like I, I don't know what he's doing i know he's i know what the setup is yeah but they were just like no no this is too much right now yeah yeah yeah, so sometimes it's fun to do a joke like that's meant to bomb or something, like, and because you have a tag, or yeah, you have, yeah, to play with it, it's yeah. going somewhere with it, and yeah, because I have one, I was opening with uh, something, uh, you know, I did it like I've done. I think this last time 
I did it on stage was like the fifth time and it had always been working because the crowd kind of got it. But this was the first night where they took it at face value and like, mm. no, it's like, nah, man, I'm it, goofing make, up here. You're making this the bad awkward. I'm I want I wanted the funny awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they take it too seriously. Yeah. Meets the Oz. Sometimes I'll say, oh, yeah, yeah. and then I'll have to be like, lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This isn't really happening right now. I'm just saying this is a story. I'm yeah. just talking. There's no one else on here but me. We're yeah. just messing around. Like they'll feel bad about something that's not real. Yeah. That always is hilarious to me. Yeah, yeah. And you can have fun with that sometimes too. It's, um, yeah. Like, do you have that where you get to, where you start to notice like some odd reactions to some jokes, and then that becomes part of the joke. Be, and you can't help it, it, ha, it because I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I have to explore this. Mm-hmm. Why is this reaction coming up right now when it never does? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then you try to play with that person and something grows out of it. It's such a weird, it's hard to describe to people, just that weird experience of growing something out of nothing. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone else jumps on board and then you've lived something together that is really only lived in that moment and in that room. Because even when you tape it, it's doesn't. it's not the same. You can watch it in 4K. It is not the same experience that the people that were there lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a lot of the jokes I've done in the last, and I was thinking of this recently, like over the last few years, I, I feel I've been compiling a lot more meta jokes, like jokes about telling jokes. Yeah. And um, and a lot of them come, I, it, and it, I've got like this little mini cottage industry of jokes about I did that joke and somebody reacted like this and it, it like a joke about someone's reaction to the joke. And they're always like fictional, but I remember like, because I had, I'd have a joke and I'd, I'd be mulling it over at home and like, yeah, no, somebody's, I bet somebody's going to say like, and I was thinking like anticipating reasons not to do the joke. And I was like, nah, cause somebody's going to think I'm, and then I was like, and then what would I say? And then, and then suddenly that, now that, that became a joke. Now that's a fictional character to end the joke on. And I've got like now four or five of these like, yeah, somebody, I'm glad you like that joke. Here's what happened. And, 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 it, and it kind of helps enhance the ending. Some of the funniest stuff comes from doubt. And you ever notice that sometimes doubt, whether it's yours or someone else's, comes from like the dumbest place. I had uh, him, our producer now, Poseidon, he was doing a podcast with Guido Grasso. Mm-hmm. And they both called me to tell me the podcast we did. Do you think we're going to come out as scumbags? And I was mm. like, why? Why would you come out as scumbags? He goes, because remember how we talked about uh, inventions? They talked about certain inventions that came because of the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And it was certain types of shoes, how Adidas is that. And they thought that because they spoke about Nazis, that people would assume that they were for the Nazis. Right, right. And I was like, but you never said you were for the nazis Mm -hmm. you were he's like i know but because i said the word and that doubt but then i'm like but this is a hilarious conversation yeah yeah this is how in itself this is the joke just the fact that you guys thought by talking about how we would have had one shoe company instead of two that split up yeah yeah. if it wasn't for them that's the funny part the fact that you think people are gonna think that's just (laughs) anti-semitic that's the crazy part yeah yeah they were so in their doubt that they thought just mentioning was was gonna set people off it's it's so crazy the self-doubt yeah, although I have to say that's not totally unreasonable in this day and age to think to yeah. anticipate that. I think that's where a lot of the meta jokes come from too. Is just like, like, uh, uh, am I allowed to say this? And it's and as soon as I think that, it's like, okay, let's do a joke about why I'm not allowed to say this, and then I'm gonna get to say it anyway. And then, 
And I like, like that game. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, I don't know, it's a bit of an addictive game sometimes. It's an addictive game, but it is, you're right. We talked about it last time you were on. And you were, uh, I didn't mention, but the first time I started doing video podcasts was with you. It was that episode, I believe it was episode 24, uh, like 100 episodes ago. And it was with you. My first video one was with you. Okay, and what year was that? Because I was a few years ago. Because I was trying to think if I should like research myself before coming back here, and like <laughs> it was a what, few years what did back. I talk yeah. about last time. Well, that time the big topic I remember because we had a clip that we posted. It was because cancel culture was really we were all getting either we were going on stage, but you can't talk about that. You can't do this, mm-hmm. and it was just this weird time. Yeah. So we talked about that and how it would basically handicap jokes. If you're the fact that you can't explore something because mm-hmm. there might there are jokes that don't work, mm-hmm. but you had mentioned something that to me was I I was like he's hundred percent right. And you had said during the podcast, and a lot of people in comments agreed too. It was the fact that, well, if you don't let us test it out, if we, because all this is is testing, when we go to an open mic, we're testing premises and jokes. Some will fall flat, some won't work. Mm-hmm. But if we start second guessing ourselves and not even test, we can't grow because all of this comes yeah. from hit or miss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I still think that. And I just saw that in an article about cancel culture, and someone wrote, wrote it. What I've been thinking for years is like, you need bad comedy to get to good comedy. Yep. And if you, you know, try to shut everyone down the first time you hear bad comedy, then you're going to miss out on something. and uh, Something golden. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, there was an interview, or I was reading something and where Chris Rock was saying, like, now he's getting, you know, people are, you know, he goes to a club to work on stuff and people are, like, out with the phones to, like, no, you, you can't say that. And it's like, ah, he's, you know, he's... He's trying to work on stuff, and you know, someone like him, it's probably going somewhere pretty good if you yeah. just give him a chance to to build it, to build something. it, to, to cut the fat on it, to you know, um, yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah, no, and I, and that was really fun when I was starting out, and for many years, uh, I liked that, and it, you know, because we started before. YouTube and camera phones and stuff like that. So you really did feel comfortable in the club. You could go out and and know that you it could, ends here. Yeah, you could bomb, and it'll yeah basically it, it just doesn't leave this room. I guess it would technically if people go tell people you suck and stuff. But, <laughs> but, but then you're like, look, it's debatable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come see for yourself. Roll the tape, eh? Where's your proof? You yeah. know, and then you. Didn't have any back then, but uh, but I, I liked that because it did mean I, I it made me take chances, and then and you know you take the chance, and it's such a good feeling when you take a chance on something, and boom, you crowd laughs and like okay, we're yeah. we're on because that's what I feel like all jokes are is you just you come up with the idea and then you you see if the crowd will at least meet you in the middle somehow. Yeah, you think because I all most of my jokes when they go to open mic they're like you know, a couple minutes long. And then I just, I, I you know, go a little, little MP3 recorder thing. And, but usually it doesn't have to listen back to it because just the experience of it. I see like, okay, like, and, and two minute joke will turn into a 30 second bit. That's a, a solid bit. But you just, you just throw out all the ideas and just see, no, they didn't like that. They didn't like that. Oh, and you, you notice the, where the pops are and like, okay. I can condense that. I just I condense mostly, which is the right way to do it. It's trim the fat, yeah, and yeah. Keep the best parts. Although Joey was telling me Mike Wilmot does the opposite. Like he he starts with a premise and then as he, and then he just writes it and it just gets bigger. And he actually grows his bits, which is 
Well, know? I'm a, I you you know me. I do long stories yeah. normally, so I would uh, for me it's I I want to get the skill where I could reduce things mm -hmm. as opposed to making them longer. I can make them longer. It doesn't mean they're going to be funnier. Mm -hmm. So I, I like the skill. There's even a joke that I, I've now the last couple of weeks. This was a six-minute joke mm -hmm. that's turned into maybe two. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this was one of the jokes that I had to cut trim a bit because even though it, w it worked when it was longer, I would take you for a ride, mm -hmm. the payoff didn't merit that long of a ride. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now the payoff for a two-minute, the two-minute ride is funnier. I feel like now it, it it's more worth it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I've, I think that way too of just like, investment like how much time is how much is is this punchline worth the investment um yeah i just i did yeah something like that uh yeah a couple couple weeks ago this like woody allen bit that was a kind of a meandering thing i kind of liked the premise i liked it but i knew it was there was something in the middle it was there was yeah, and he kind of needed the something in the middle to get there but and but again sort of with that sense of let's try it out and see what happens. And it, it was kind of predictable. It, it, it worked overall, but then, you know, listening it back, you're like, yeah, this is, this is okay. But it's, but I, but, but you know, the same set, I tried like two one liners that killed. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to go with those. Cause yeah. Yeah. The, the, the payoff and the time and investment is, is the difference is way better on this one. Yeah. 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 Even though I liked it, it was just the roughly, it was just about how like Woody Allen, if all his allegations make them, take away his oscars and i was just the premise was just me saying like how awesome if they retroactively give star wars the best oscar in 1970s and i was sort of yeah just oh that, that would be a fucking that was the angle have, but yeah. it, but i did but the sort of punchline was this long i just had this bit about them deciding to give woody the like back in 1977 smoking cigars and discussing who's getting the oscars and and it's it was just like uh yeah, and I was just picturing them just like, oh, well, we got Star Wars. Obviously, it's the biggest movie of the year. It's changed. Yeah, but you know, I was getting drunk with George Lucas, and he was telling me, you know, the, the backstory, you know that Luke and the prince, their brother and sister, <laughs> and the, the, what? We can't condone incest. Give the Oscar to Woody Allen. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then years but, later, like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh anyway, but it's uh anyway, we'll see. See if that's, I, that's a good that's a good down. Bit. But it's just yeah, that's you try the yeah, anyway. I like that though. That's a smart fucking <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas was giving me the backstory on that. He's like, Oh, that's shameful. We're going with Woody Allen. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But all that even Roman Polanski was super loved. Yeah. It, but even now he gets a lot of people defending him in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. It's, I think as comics it. we don't do that. I think as comics, if it's indefensible, like let's say Bill Cosby, mm -hmm. you don't say comics are out there like, look, he raped, but you don't see that. Comics are like, nah, that's that's the limit. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. When it's indefensible, it's... we don't, uh, we only defend when it's joke related or if it's not, you know, because cancel culture is so vast now. Mm -hmm. It could, you know, you were too rude to a waitress and maybe people are going to want to cancel you. Yeah, like, yeah. There's so much. So that's why, but uh, in Hollywood, man, they're willing to accept a lot. A lot of fuckery. Yeah. No, they like their their uh, legacies and their traditions or whatever. And they, yeah. They don't, I, they don't dent that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, with that, like, the canceling and stuff, I'm, I've, I, I don't think I've got, maybe with that exception there, but not a lot of specific references, but I do, I do sort of, 
if I do talk about it, it's I'm I sort of zeroing in on the reasons, like the 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 rationale for canceling, and then I you know you can play with that a bit. Um, but yeah, like I don't I don't think I've I've made too many references direct references to actual like celebrities in the hot seat, you know. But, uh, I, don't, but I keep hearing new ones every day, and I don't even know it's true anymore. Now Bob Dylan in the '60s and. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I don't know, because it's easy to jump on the headline. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's what's a shame is, like, just that that clickbait uh, sort of sort of impulse that, I don't know, I guess we've all got now. Because what if I yell? What if I get mad at someone who didn't do anything? Like, that guy at the baseball game, the Colorado Rockies, uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Who, Dinger, yeah. he was calling the, the mascot. Yeah, And yeah. they're like, he's dropping racial slurs. And he got doxxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The actual baseball team put a statement about him, about how he's a terrible human being and he doesn't belong here. And and the video is him yelling at him. He's not even look at the player. He's yelling at the mascot. He's like, Dinger, Dinger, come over. He's like, racial slurs. Like, oh, no, you guys misheard. It's Dinger. You know, that's the name of the mascot. I didn't even know that was the name of the, the mascot. It was the mascot's name. So he's there. And, and and he's he's not even looking at the play. He's looking at the man. He's he's waving him over. He's like dinger, dinger. So they just took that and they're like, well, you know, if you hear it fast, that you might think, obviously. But by that logic, ringer on my phone. If you start play, stretching out, the guy, you, well, come yeah. On. Plus, you know, uh, yeah, that's we can't jump to dox him. Let's I know. Make sure that he. <laughs> I'm just uh, well. I just I'm just struck. I didn't know that was the mascot's name. Like, yeah. if you're that easily confused, don't <laughs> name. <laughs> like, what if? Why? Yeah. I don't know. And the fact you didn't see that coming, I mean, the, <laughs> I don't know. That's and he's he's a dinosaur. You couldn't name him something else. You couldn't even dino or horny or yeah, even that that would have been a problem too because he has horns. <laughs> but it, it would have. It was just crazy when I saw that because I was like, you know, a guy sh- uh, launching racial slurs, and I was like, that's weird at a baseball yeah. game when everything's on camera. Like that's an odd time for you to be like, you know what? Fuck that guy. It's such a weird time for you to do that. And That's he's an older gentleman, too. too. That's what I was thinking also when I heard that story. It's like, hey, like, if it's a type of guy that yells that, <laughs> I think you would know. What he would, yeah. I think he would enunciate it really clearly yeah. if he's that confident. Yeah, in a baseball game. I was like, God damn. And then just I felt after I felt so bad because when I started reading that they doxed him, there was photos of him. Sure. They were calling up, I think, his relatives. They just... Went all out on the guy, and the guy's like, I didn't, he didn't know at first what was going on. He's yeah. like, what racist stuff? Like, this is a misunderstanding. It was like a Larry David, Kirby Enthusiasm yeah, moment, yeah. you know? He's like, oh, the uh, mascot, I was yelling at the man. And then when you see the actual video, you're like, oh, no, it's painfully obvious. He's not even looking at the baseball player. He's looking over, and he's, <laughs> and while he's yelling dinger, he's calling him over. He's like, dinger, and he's waving, dinger. And <laughs> it's just such a Larry David, Curb moment. And, and I, just have, I just feel the need to ask, like, what color is the dinosaur? It's a little purple. Yeah, yeah, see, that yeah. Why did he's, the slur doesn't make sense. No, then. no, no, it wasn't even a slur. Because <laughs> I think in baseball, dinger means like a hard... Yeah, uh, yeah, a hard, like, yeah, hit. Yeah, so it makes sense. It's not like the dinosaur, I don't know why they have a dinosaur, but it makes sense why his name is dinger, because it's one of the things you can do in baseball. Hit a dinger, you know? But, guys, we can't just jump to cancel right away before yeah. doing a bit of research. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what UP misunderstandings there are waiting to happen. UP? Now. Yeah. No, UP. No, all P. UP. You know, you never know. UP could have had some of the, if it was a different time. Uh, it's, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's upsetting because, I don't know, because we read mostly about, it's mostly 
uh, celebrities and stuff that get this, but that in fact it's spilling over into a regular dude. A regular, yeah. <laughs> when it's just imagine going to work the next day and everyone's giving dirty looks. It's like we saw the video. We saw what you called that purple dinosaur. Yeah, he's like, what? Oh, so you just oh, it's purple dinosaurs and black baseball players, huh? <laughs> That's where you draw the lines. Like, what are you talking about? I'm so happy to be there. <laughs> I even got to meet the mascot, <laughs> <laughs> Dinger. What did you say? <laughs> what did you say? Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. But we, it's that it's uh, it's so weird now that everyone's like waiting. Yeah, they're like I'm gonna catch someone slipping. Even when you're not slipping, they're like, I'll give him a little shove. Do you like the one? The so my favorite one, and this is another guy who's you know nobody knew who he was until you know. But the the Jeopardy fiasco. What yeah. happened on Jeopardy? So the guy was it was he was winning. It was I think his third his fourth show. Oh shit, that's hard. Uh, fourth fourth show is, is Jeopardy champion, and like uh, they said, you know, and and our and our returning champion, so and so, whose three day winnings, and he flashes the three with his fingers. Oh yeah, and then and th- and this was uh, this was a Facebook group of Jeopardy former Jeopardy champions, like five hundred who all protested. That the guy gave the okay white supremacist signal. Oh, no. This? Yeah. That's not even... I found out where that started. In, you know, 4chan? Yeah. So 4chan, somebody up there had said, wouldn't it be funny, because people are so stupid, if we start saying that some random... And and they chose the number three, because basketball players do it when they score. We start saying that that's uh, white supremacist or something, and then see if they pick up on it and do it. And then the media is so stupid, they actually... Think it's a white so now anyone that does this, yeah, yeah, and everyone Biden does this. Okay, everybody, it's the okay sign for yeah, me yeah. growing up. This was always okay. My Eddie Murphy does it in Beverly <laughs> Hills Cop. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and they they don't realize how stupid this is. Yeah, and this and that, but that's what happened. They he had to apologize, officially renounce white supremacy. Then, <laughs> then they and nobody and and you know people point out you know when it was his two day winnings he flashed two and when it was his one day he he's been doing this all. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's just counting yeah. on his fingers, right? But uh, but yeah, and this and this is a jeopardy. You know, you think they're smart. That's kind of what they're supposed to be known for. They scare the mob. They. Yeah, but they were the mob, and like, and or maybe, but yeah, you're probably right. It was, I don't know. It, uh, but um, poor guy. And they, but then, and then they got mad at the producers too. Like, why didn't you edit that out? Why, why did you let? Three. Why did you let that? And um, you know, maybe they would have edited this out. <laughs> I get that, but God damn, oh, it's so, it's so absurd. It's terrible. As adults, we can't be like, listen, guys, we understand we were fooled. Internet people try to mess with us. We accepted it. No one's admitting. Even now I saw in Disney World, they will look back at old photos and they want uh, some mascot fired because he has his arm over the girl and he's like this and I think his hands are like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's not a real white power. It's not a real thing. These guys that hang out in the fucking forest, I don't think they have symbols like like this. This is the okay symbol. Yeah. Or when I was young, this was the, um, if you look at it, you get punched. I don't know if you ever had that. It has to be oh, under your. Oh, I think you're telling me maybe that another time. Like it was a. That's what it was, and and or, I still have friends that do it. Yeah. So if you look over and you see it off, you have to. Get, that's what it was. So they took that, they made it an internet meme, and then the media did zero research. They're like, this must be true, and they started saying uh, that it's a white supremacist thing. I have yet in my life to see one case on the news where it was an actual white supremacist that was doing it. It's always a random kid, an old guy, or. 
basketball players who are predominantly black doing it every time they score yeah, three yeah, pointers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know why? Because <laughs> they fucking scored a three. three. It's a number three. Yeah, I don't think LeBron James is like, you know what? You know what? My life is missing yeah, me yeah. being a white supremacist. Yeah, yeah. That's what my life. It's just crazy. Yeah, that, so that's, yeah, that's, uh, no, I, my rule is if I see someone flashing that, I just see if they've, if they've got a Confederate flag tied to his <laughs> baseball bat, and then I factor that into my, you fact, my yeah. reasoning, you know? But. You go pick something up, someone's <laughs> like, hey, thanks. Like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 what do you mean? But I did, I did, I did. I was You're thanking about, me because I'm white? I was talking about Ryan Wilder, like we were a group of people, and he did that. And it was, <laughs> I didn't even, I couldn't stop myself. I was like, hey, careful, man. Like, yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> Ryan's like, it was a good set. It went well. Uh, For oh, who? Wait a minute. It was only part of the crowd laughing. Is that what you're trying to tell me? For who? It's so stupid. It's, I think we have to, as adults, stop allowing this. Well, yeah. I mean, what's what worries me is like, as if people in power keep like humoring this, like if, so I don't know. I don't think the Jeopardy producers caved or whatever. Like, I think they just said, no, we're not going back to the footage and editing out all the, re or maybe they did. I don't know. But, but just, just, I just hope, you know, it feel like politicians and media and captains of industry, like, like I just, as I just want them to like hold the line a little and just like they don't, you know, they fold right away I without any research. It feels like a lot of them do, yeah. But I don't think you need to, because you know what I feel, and I'm I might be completely wrong. Let's say you, for example, I know the type of humor you do. I know your 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 type of fans. I don't think your actual fans, the people that would buy tickets, would fall for that stupidity, right? They won't fall for. He's a white supremacist because he said the okay thing. Mm -hmm. So the people that get mad. It, let's say me, if I see it, like, if, like, why is he doing that? Is he a white supremacist? Mm. Which clearly I'm not. It's, it's insane. They're not fans of my comedy or my podcast. They're not going to watch anyway. Yeah. So them boycotting me puts me right back to where I was before they boycotted me. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're doing something serious where your fans, you know, if I murder someone, then obviously my fans yeah. are going to be like, all right, this is crazy. But for stuff that's stupid, I, I what I hate about the apology is that you don't need to apologize. This isn't a real thing because yeah. your fans didn't ask you to apologize. This is strangers that would never like your stuff anyway. That's why they overreact. Yeah. So I think it's also up to us and to companies, big companies, to be like, wait a second. You don't even shop here. Yeah, that's uh, that's so much how I feel about like when, when comedians get in trouble. It's like, well, who? Yeah, I you know what's funny is remember when Michelle Wolf did the White House correspondence yeah. dinner? Same thing. I felt the same about her. And uh, and uh, yeah, the reaction, you know, and she made an abortion joke. And then <clears throat> what I, I loved, I mean, I didn't love it, but they they you know the the they interviewed the people in attendance who were all up in arms about it. And they interviewed, I think her last name's Richards, like the head of Planned Parenthood. <laughs> And uh, just, what did you think of the abortion joke? And, like, the quote was, like, just, well, it's not it's not a joke I would have told. I'm just like... Yeah, of course not. Of course. No one... No one what, what? You got a tight seven that you want to try? Like, like While what? you're aborting a fetus? Uh, just, what are you talking about? But that's it. It's just like, well, I wouldn't have told that joke. No, that's because it's not your job. Like, don't... When would you tell an abortion joke while working at an abortion yes, clinic? yes. Yeah, we don't expect it. For, yeah. that's, that's why you're not booked for the the, the gig, correspondence you know? dinner. Yeah, um, but that's it's that yeah that that sort of idea of ah uh, uh, just uh, yeah uh, where was I going to go with that? Because I think just that they have to stop giving in. And what do you think? And they ask people that have nothing to do with the industry. I hate that too. Yeah, yeah. 
and in the street out of context. I love that when they ask people. So the joke was, and they just say yeah. basically the transcript. They read the transcript of a joke, which that's not how jokes work. And they ask an innocent guy on the street. And then uh, he said to beat him over the head with a baseball bat. Oh my, well, that's violent. I can't stand for yeah, that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. now you're not telling a joke. Now you're making it sound like I tried to murder someone. Yeah. It's this weird game. It is. And it's weird. Yeah. And like you say, yeah, it's weird to get the opinions of people that weren't at the show. Like, that's a, you know, that's, that's what he did to Mike. Yeah. Cause he, he, you know, he, yeah. Cause I always find that I'm always interested if, you know, oh, so and so got in trouble for a joke. And I'm always like curious, like, so did it kill or, yeah. Or, <laughs> like, okay. Well, if it killed, like, I find that, I find it a weird, that we're sort of normalizing the like people go to Twitter and oh Twitter's angry and for, that's another media thing like stop talking about Twitter like it's a person just it's you know Twitter's not angry that you, some people on it are but and uh, people have a lot of confidence to get angry at Twitter like all but I don't like that that we're sort of at a place where the opinion of ten thousand people that weren't at a show matters more than yeah. a hundred people who. Paid for a babysitter, made plans, did that, like did all, bought the tickets, supported the venue, went, enjoyed the show, left happy, left happy, and but but we're listening to the, you know, people who didn't know, don't know the comic, didn't know, never heard of the venue, never didn't know the show was happening, didn't know the show was happening, and also the other thing is the standard, the line that we have is very weird. I don't know when we became politicians or prophets or we were held to a weird standard because it's entertainment or my goal when i go on stage is i want to entertain you in the sense that yeah you will laugh yeah. i want to make you laugh that's my goal so when you say well if you talk about i don't know i don't have a joke about beating uh, about killing an old person but let's say i have a joke about beating an old guy to death and the whole premise is a joke and i want you to laugh for some reason you act as if i actually want to take out an old person in the yeah. back and beat him to death but if kevin bacon plays a pedophile that's fine. You could get an Oscar for it. Yeah, yeah. It's just crazy to me, these weird standards in yeah, the yeah. arts. Because you're using your name and holding a microphone, it's like, it's not fiction. Yeah. That's what uh, I think I heard Bill Burr say something like that. Like, he's like, if, okay, they're laughing at, when they enjoy it, then they're taking it as a joke. And then as soon as they don't like it, now I'm making a statement. It's like, so crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. And that we, in society, in polite society, it's acceptable. Like, again, the news takes it seriously. If I was a newscaster, I would be like, I'm not reporting on this horse shit. I would really wish more people would, yeah, just say, no, this isn't a story. Samantha from fucking Wisconsin is offended by David Pride's joke on an episode. I don't give a fuck. Let her be offended. What do I care? Why is this news? Yeah, yeah. Aren't we, supposed, aren't we fighting the Taliban again? That's news. Yeah, <laughs> like, this isn't yeah. news. yeah. No, I, but yeah, it does bug me. The like, yeah, don't cover social, like, don't cover it like a person, like which, a real thing. You know, Twitter is angry with, you know, Twitter hated the season finale of this. And it's like, no, it's, it's people on Twitter. It's not everyone. People. I think, I don't know. I think I've sort of now see, like, you know, Twitter's, it's a, it's a, it's a virtual bathroom stall. That's what it yeah. is. It's graffiti on yeah. a stall. It is. How much, how, and some of it can be funny. I've read funny stuff on a bathroom stall. I've read juicy gossip on a bathroom stall. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people promoting their business on a bathroom, bathroom stall. stall. Yeah, yeah, with phone numbers and everything. With phone numbers and yeah. everything. Promising good times and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, 
but you know, but how, do you really want to? Do you need to report? You know, what's on the bathroom stall? Yeah, and do you need to be? Like, oh, I gotta get my news. Let me go to the bathroom stall. I mean, yeah. It's complete absurdity. So now, but this has calmed me down more because I saw what happened. Being so close to Mike, I got to see a lot of moments where it was obvious media manipulation mm-hmm. or so I stopped taking them seriously. And then I realized again, all the anger is never from people that actually affect your career. The only way you, you can actually be canceled is if you do something heinous, like a real bad thing, which kind of transcends yeah whatever job you have well, yeah but if it's something like especially a comic that you said something offensive or whatever unless you hurt your audience by going out and being like yeah it was uh, tasteless i shouldn't have said it because then your audience that was laughing i was like wait, wait, wait. so you're saying that we're bad guys yeah, we're yeah, tasteless yeah. so unless yeah. you go against that you're, you're always fine because the people that are trying to cancel you don't come to your shows yeah i mean yeah i i've I, it's sort of what you're saying about uh you know that if that person doesn't like me i'm I'm exactly where I started. I, I that was other the other comfort besides when starting out knowing that uh, you know nothing leaves the room. I can just try stuff. I also early on, and I don't know how accurate it is, but it was a comforting thought of just that just binary code of just your every show is a one or a zero. Yeah. If, if you hit, then it's a one, and you've got you know you if one person likes you, then you score a one. That's another person on your side. If they don't like you, it's a zero and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. You never You're, go minus. Yeah. There's yeah. no, yeah. Unless, like you say, you do a, commit a crime or something. But, yeah, they're really minuses. I mean, maybe that's different now because of what we're talking about. But that's certainly it feels when you just go in a room. Uh, yeah. you Like, it won't change any. Like, it has to be. Like, right now, if you tell me, like, Heidi Foss uh, made a hilarious, tasteless joke against Greek people, I'll be like, good for her. Yeah, it's not going to change anything. But if you tell me she's murdering people, then maybe it'll change my perception. But a joke that's offensive—it's like, what the fuck do I care? Good. Yeah, I mean it's, and it's all and it's all we're different. We should do the same thing with bad movies. Different lines. That's been two that's, flops in a row. <laughs> Get him out of Hollywood. Doesn't know how to direct. You know, if there's a, a bad joke, there's going to be bad movies too. When people mm-hmm. do bad movies, we don't ban them. And there's a lot of bad movies out there. Yeah. No, I think uh, yeah, it's well again. Yeah, don't 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 cut off the the bad uh, bad comedy because there's yeah. Give I don't know. I I always thought you know failure is an option. That's one of the nice things about you know certainly open mics and stuff. That is, that's a fact. That's a good observation. Yeah, that go up on stage knowing failure is an option, and then just try your stuff. And now it's they're kind of making it feel like no no you can't fail yeah no that, and that's yeah we don't want to lose that we don't want want uh, yeah we don't want that taken away I hate the you can't talk about that thing that that to me bothers so someone can it just can't be me is that what we're saying like, yep well that's a little crazy because my goal is to be funny right mm-hmm. so the people that should be able to talk about this are the people trying to make it funny mm-hmm. you know because by that whole. You can't talk about this because, and you can put whatever you want, mm-hmm. any reason why, then that removes that whole point of us, which is to comment on everything, to be that person that observes, you know, we can't do it anymore. It's like, oh, I can't talk yeah. about pol- politicians anymore. Why? I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm not allowed to criticize the government. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. The, the lines get so drastic that you can't, you could just talk, hi, I'm me. This is my name. Trust me. It is. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's another one of just, yeah, if, if, if you are talking about it, then 
I mean, if they're telling you you can't talk about, it, then that probably means it's a it's a challenging topic, and you're trying, you're yeah. taking a risk, and you're going somewhere. And and you know when those risks pay off, like the jokes are amazing, actually bring people yeah. together. Oh right? yeah, and um, yeah, that's sort of when I if I'm am talking about something that you know I can't talk about my. Again, this is with the failure as an option idea, and, and again, hopefully it'll stay that way and not get too, you know, rigid. But but I figure if I if I tell a joke about a certain group of people, and and the group of people are there, and I mess it up royally, and it's no, that didn't work. Like, are they gonna look at me and think, this this white guy was? Tone deaf and offensive. Well, my my worldview is shattered. Yeah, <laughs> like no, it's it's again the one and zero. You, yeah. That's that's a that's a big zero. Like yeah. just another stupid white guy. Like yeah. and that's so you haven't. And the or other it hand, could be a one. If it's a one, it's probably going to be a pretty good one because they're yeah. like, okay, I you know that's, you stuck the landing on. I didn't think you were going to do it. And that's we should encourage people to try for the. Try for the one, and if they don't, don't like freak out and try to cancel them. Just say like, "Well, I, you know, you suck." And because uh, there's a big difference between not sticking the landing, the joke not being funny, mm-hmm. and you being hateful. There's yeah. a huge difference. It's yeah, a complete. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Mike's joke comes to mind because they misquoted that in tabloids and in the newspapers. And when you see it in French live, when you see the video, you're like, "Oh wait, of course it worked." That's why people are laughing. Right, right. You could clearly tell he's not planning. To murder a child, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's so it's so far apart reality mm-hmm. with what they're writing. Yeah, yeah. It's so far apart. But I, I had noticed that too. I've, I don't know if it's because we're getting back slowly, so we haven't seen a lot of crowds. But I, I think in some ways it's dissipating. I think more and more people that are coming out to shows, making the effort, are there to have fun. Mm-hmm. And you kind of break the audience a bit, and they're like, all right, yeah, we're here for a reason. They're not getting as that. Because I used to get more people that would come to me after shows. And not complain, but hey, about this one and this, it doesn't happen anymore as often. Mm-hmm. Actually, it hasn't happened in a really long time. No one's come to complain. And I've been touching on like some really uh, interesting uh, <laughs> subject matter. And no people either laugh or they don't. Yeah, yeah. But they're cool with it. They get it's a joke. It would be kind of nice if this pandemic like made people like reassess their priorities and like. Yeah, we're alive. We're alive. So maybe the, this, <laughs> that, that this joke. Didn't, wasn't your cup of tea, maybe, and have some perspective. Maybe, hopefully, people have a bit of perspective about it. I, I think I think that might be what's happening. I think people are like, ah, who gives a shit? It was a joke. It didn't work. Yeah. I'm alive. Yeah. I think a lot of that's happening. Well, David, look, all your links are in the description. Is there a place on social media where you're actually active a lot, where you want people to follow you? Because <laughs> you're, no, you're I'm the, not, I'm you're not the, too good, eh? You're the toughest guy to track down on social media because you're there. Yeah. But I don't know if you're if you're watching. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I kind of disappear. Yeah. Um, Which I kind of like. I like your mysterious nature. <laughs> it's not to be mysterious. It's because I, I just, uh, yeah. It's very Batman-esque. I get, I get distracted. That's that's all. Ba- that was Batman's secret. Yeah. yeah. I, he was a- just distracted. A- a- ADD. It was Batman. That's Bruce Wayne. But uh, yeah, where do you go? You go, I mean, there's stuff. You have, there's I have your links, Twitter and your website. DavidPride.com. Uh, yeah, the Twitter's there. Man, the Twitter I'm really not that active on, but I'll try to. Get, uh, I'll try to put, I'll, should I mention this? I'll try to mention if this. If you remember, well, I don't think you will, though. Yeah. I think you, something else is going to get in the way and distract you. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, that's good. 
that's that, good. That's I'm, all they need. A headlining. Uh, when's this thing broadcast? It's going to come out uh, Monday. September 2nd to 4th at the Nest headlining. Oh, shit. You cannot miss out on that. Are you crazy, David I, Pride? I almost forgot to mention it. That's how I'm, I'm a PR machine. But, uh, uh, tickets are on sale now? Yeah. Oh, got, get your tickets. ComedyNest.com. And... Uh, it's right on Psych Athens in the old form. It's uh, the only and the best English comedy club that we have. I'm trying to look at them to tell them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't miss David Pride. September, go for the entire weekend. Tell your friends, tell your family. David Pride's at the Nest. We got plans. Insecurities crawl under my skin. The soul systems advocated by sin.